Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in the construction industry. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner, entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies three years in a row. The purpose of this podcast is to create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to help me remove the stigma about the trades and take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. George, welcome to the show. Up, Nick. How you doing, pal? Good, buddy. Good. I really appreciate you joining me on my third episode. It seems like we were trying to schedule this thing for nearly two weeks. With, uh, Very busy man, Nick. The, the, <laughs> the tropical storms and all the personal conflicts with us both, but mostly you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little background on George. George is a project superintendent for Hunter Roberts Construction Group. George and I met back in 2004, 2005 while I was with Shoemaker Construction. We did a project together, Tivoli Condominiums, which some people say Tivoli. What do you say, Tivoli or Tivoli? Tivoli. Tivoli. I always did too. But a lot of people say Tivoli. That was a $40 million two-phase project, and George was with Dale Construction at that time. He was the lead carpenter foreman, and... You guys didn't end up doing phase two. You did phase one, correct? Yeah, we looked at the low rise. The low rise, yeah. yeah. And then phase two was was a mid-rise, 10-story. Yeah, George and I, when, when we met, George was a guy that I immediately connected to because George's ability to conceptualize and visualize details was very impressive. And <laughs> I know I'm talking to the audience here, whoever listens, but George – you know, we've talked about this because you're, you know, we're definitely personal friends and George is actually a neighbor of mine too. But your level of uh, conceptualization and detail in orientation, we would have projects where you would require an RFI, which is a request for information. And George would visualize an issue that we would have on drawings and be able to conceptualize it and put basically pen to paper and create that detail. And that would help the project immensely because when you submit RFIs with details, which George would do, would help us, the construction manager, it would just speed the project up because the architects, nine times out of 10, would agree with George's detail. So that was just something that I wanted to say. It was uh, pretty, uh, oh, you stop now. Yeah. pretty impressive, pretty impressive. But ever since George and I uh, <laughs> connected back then, I've been recruiting him ever since. And I recruited him to come to, I believe, Shoemaker at the time, but George was a committed and loyal guy to Dale Construction. And then I guess it was, I guess it was about five, six years later in 2011. Right after the uh, Art Museum project. Yep. I finally was able to get you. Was it $25 million? We did. I went to the Art Museum. We were there for three and a half years. And then I went to Chet and we went to doing a $25 million penthouse. And then uh, that's where I left. Yep. Finally got George to come over. He was a lead foreman for Dale, and now he's a project superintendent for Hunter Roberts Construction Group, which was my previous employer. And uh, 
Al George is, is, is running big work. It was a pretty interesting project that you and I did when I left. Uh, that was a Temple University, Pearson McGonagall Hall. It was 60, around $60 million project that you came on board on back in, what was that? 2011. Yeah. 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 But tell me how you started in the trades. I, I know you were in the Marines and you were a hand to hand combat specialist, correct? Well, it was artillery. That okay. was my primary noise. Um, and anybody who's been in the service, they know that you, you have a half a brain in there. They put you and give you a bunch of different billets to serve and different things to do. But uh, that was my primary role. But yes, I was a hand to hand combat instructor. Mm-hmm. So you spent four years in the Marines, correct? And tried to reserve for like a year and a half. Okay. Well, two lakhs of days ago for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but even to say, no regrets, no regrets. And then when you got out, you went into the apprenticeship program. Yep. I, well, right. I took the test while I was still in the service. Oh, you did? Okay. I'm up here on leave. I had to take a, a 96 is what they call it. You get four days off. Kind of funny, Nick. I walk in and I go in and take the test. And there's about 250 guys in here taking this test. And uh, I get done the test and I'm, I'm within the top 10% to get done the test. And I walk up and I walk up to these two teachers. There were two of the teachers there who I went through the four years of school with. And, uh, you know, from this jar head, I got the, the cut, the, you know, <laughs> all jacked. And I walk up to these guys and I said to them, uh, I said, listen, uh, I, I kind of want to know if I got I pass this test right now. And they're like, yeah, you get the results in get about 10 to 14 days, kid. Yeah, just don't worry about it. I'm like, guys, um, listen, I'm up here. I'm in the Marine Corps. I came up here. It took, after, I'm actually leaving right from here back to North Carolina. I said, I need to know if I pass this test because if I didn't, I'm re-enlisting. Well, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go. I said, I really, uh, I need to know if I pass this test now. And they look at me, they're like, you're, you're not kidding, are you? I went, no, nah, I really don't. And the one guy was Steve Serena. He was a great guy. Went up being an awesome. Also, him and Dan Rokes, there were two teachers up there. Two great guys. Needless to say, Dan Rokes goes up. Wait a minute, kid. I'll be, I'll be back in a minute. So I walk, he walks away. He comes back in about 10 minutes later and goes, you have nothing to worry about. You're okay. I went, all right, great. Thanks a lot, guys. Shake your hands and off I go. <laughs> I got out of the Marine Corps on a Thursday and started the Carpenters Union that Monday. I got out of the service, wife, two kids. Got to provide. Yeah. Got to provide. Yeah. And I remember checking into school, and the one guy, Steve Serena, goes, yeah, Dan Marino was here, weren't you? And I went, yeah, he goes, <laughs> I, didn't know what, I didn't know if you were kidding with me or what the hell you were talking about, but you weren't leaving until you found out. And I'm like, I'm not wrestling this big son of a bitch down to the ground. <laughs> I'm not giving you your answer. So it. It, was kind of, it was kind of cool. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I got out on a Thursday, started that Monday, and I started with Dale. <clears throat> for the next 14 and a half years, I stayed with Dale my entire time. Okay. Uh, ran work for them as a, almost out of my apprenticeship. Got my wings on a night shift deal up at uh, 38th and Walnut for University of Penn. Mm-hmm. School. Ran the night shift and never looked back. I have uh, ran work from that time out. Good stuff. Now, to give people perspective, you worked for Dale as an apprentice, correct? Yes. So you were there four years apprenticeship? Four years? Your apprenticeship. Yeah. Were you a foreman immediately after or a journeyman for a little while? or uh, I kind of was trying to take the lead, you know, as an apprentice. I had a bunch of great, great older gentlemen, carpenters. Mm-hmm. They kind of, they take you under your wing. You know what I mean? If they see that you're somebody that that's not there, you get the knucklehead kids, the, the kids that are right out of high school. Yeah. And, you know, they know daddy or they know Uncle Bob and they got them in. And 
You know, mm-hmm. they're knuckleheads. They're just young kids that didn't have anything where I was on the opposite end of that spectrum. 25, wife, two kids, and mm-hmm. knew I didn't want to wear the tools for 30 years. Yeah. I had to use my brains. Yeah. And not that that's a bad thing. It's yeah. just some people have a little more drive than other people. You go through life, they'll find that out. Sure. But needless sure. to say, the uh, I kind of was nurtured by a bunch of really, really great mechanics who took mm-hmm. me under their wing for my entire apprenticeship. It was a good thing. It was a great thing. Yeah. Uh, kind of got the ball rolling and I got out of my time and got, a, got, a, yep. got an opportunity. Yep. And when we met, I could kind of sense, you know, that you were looking for the next move, but I know you were considering. Now, just explain what a roadman is, because I think if I recall correctly, you were like considered to be Dale's roadman at the time. Yeah, it was between myself and one other guy who's okay. still the roadman. Great gotcha. guy as well. Um, gotcha. Just that. Yeah. Company just went in a different direction with that, with him, mm-hmm. him, which again wasn't a bad thing. He ran a bunch of big work for Dale. Great guy. Just didn't get that shot. And, yeah. and again, I, I think it was for the better. Yeah. Where I'm at now. Sure. And then your perseverance and getting me to jump ship, yeah. you know, constantly every six months giving me a call. You ready? You ready? You ready again? <laughs> Are you ready? So I, uh, <laughs> I knew it was your destiny. <laughs> but now you're running big work. You're running big work and, and, <laughs> And you're doing well. Doing well, man. No, thank you. Again, all thanks to you. No <laughs> push. No push. Sorry, you would have found your way without me, but, but now I was glad to be a part of it. Now, you're part of the Philly Carpenters Union, local. Yep. If we, you we can just... A big merge. We just had a big merge about... When was the merge? A couple years back, I'd say about... It's been a work in progress, I think, with the unions, just because uh, Philadelphia being the... It was a large local, ten to 12,000 members. Mm-hmm. And then the international merged everyone from all the way out to Ohio mm-hmm. over to the, over New Jersey. I think we go down to actually Virginia now and up to Maine. It's called the Northeast, right? It's called the Northeast. It's a, they, they kind of merged everybody into this. It's just a giant conglomerate of carpenters. And, you know, it, again, strength in numbers. So uh, it, now depending on what union you're in, Philadelphia has always been a strong union town. So they really couldn't bother with the the, the one fifty the eighteen fifty sixes and the ten seventy all those different locals that were in Philadelphia. They merged them into one fifty eight. That's okay. where I'm at now. Good stuff. Now, just can you give me a little perspective on the jurisdictional work that carpenters do? Like, just for someone out there that doesn't know, you know, all the things that carpenters do, just list the items that would be under the jurisdictional work for carpenters. Yeah. So you have a. Well, you have the Carpenters Union. Carpenters Union is wood framed houses, steel framed buildings, not structural steel, but metal studs. We do uh, all kinds of from your regular doorknob that you see on a on a office building to a if you're doing housing, right down to the bedroom the bedroom knobs that you put on, mm-hmm. all the way up to you know your commercialized hardware systems inside hospitals, internal parts pieces that are that tie into electrical systems that tie into security systems we do have all the yeah framing drywall the framing the drywall you know what yeah. i probably should be touching base a little better on the, the framing and the drywall and all that stuff as well but uh most people don't realize that the carpet union has uh these specialty things that they do and that's why i was touching base on hardware and stuff like that but you know ceilings drop ceilings act ceilings mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been known to put, I know, at the Constitution Center, 
we did a bunch of the interior limestone panels because it's a system that attaches to our metal studs. We actually hung these limestone panels. Mm-hmm. Again, the Masons weren't too happy with us <laughs> on the outside. Yeah. But, uh, unfortunately, we did it. The project I'm running right now, exterior porcelain panels coming from Italy. Mm-hmm. The are hanging those. So there's a lot of specialty work we do outside of there besides framing and drywall sure. and stuff like that. Uh, we do also do housing, mm-hmm. kind of housing work or wood framing. Everybody thinks they get in the carpenters union and uh, yeah, I'm really good with wood. I'm like, you're not going to touch much wood. I can tell you now, if you're getting a 158, cause it's all commercial construction, which you really don't use a lot of wood. It's all metal studs. And yeah. Um, yeah. Also metal siding and metal roofing. That's a jurisdictional, I think battle with the sheet metal union, right? That it's staying in the same roofs. Yeah. I think there's kind of give or take there with, there's some sharing of the jurisdictional, I think sometimes work. I put a composite crew together. Well, yeah. For the most part, it's carpenters. Yeah. They actually yeah. teach it in school. Mm-hmm. So when you go through your four years of schooling, all these different things, you, all the different facets of construction, they teach you. From quarrying countertops, repairing quarrying countertops. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I love it. And which, what I love about being a carpenter as well is it's, uh, you know, and nothing against painters, papers, all those guys, but they paint all day. Yeah. The tapers tape all day. As carpenters, um, you don't know what you could be doing. As long as you're a multifaceted carpenter and try to be a sponge and grab as much as you can and you learn a little bit from this guy and learn a, bit, a little bit from that guy and you, you become more well-rounded. Yeah. Every day, every day of work could be different for you. Yeah. But, uh, yep. Definitely you, agree. You guys do an awful lot. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, out of every trade, I, I think I just had an interview with Steamfitter and they do a lot too. I think between you guys are probably the two that probably do the most as far as, you know, just a variety of things. It's not just, you know, one thing. Plumbers, you know, you know, certain piping, but where the, uh, well, I mean, electrical contractors too. They they definitely do a variety as well. I think, and I use tapers and painters for the simple fact that it's Mm -hmm. taping and paint, whereas your plumbers, the um, you know, they're putting piping in and stuff, but they still mm-hmm. have finished work that they do as well. They do. Your yeah. They do their, you know, they're pulling wires and they have their, their different gangs that do different things, but then they get into the crazy finishes on metal lights and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it, on their end as well. I think that they, again, you know, they're also somebody that they have to be well-rounded in order to see all those different things. Definitely. You know I mean? Definitely. When you get into these trades, you know, some guys get labeled and they get mm-hmm. labeled. Yeah. He's going to be pulling out less for the rest of his time. Because he didn't take that time or to stand outside the box and go, where do I want to be in 10 years? Where do I want to be in 20 years? Yeah. Um, all these guys have to do 30 years to get a retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, some guys do more. I have a cousin who's about to retire. He's done 36 years in the union. He still has two years, three years ago. He got mm-hmm. married out of 17 and he'll retire at 52. So he'll have 35 years in the union, 36 years. Okay. Gotcha. Did you consider any other traits or was it carpentry is something that you were no, no, I got out of the union. I got out of the uh, Marine Corps and had the opportunity to take a test. My father was a plumber. Okay. I did plumbing and heating mm-hmm. up until I went in the Marine Corps. Okay. I actually worked for a plumbing supply house. But they were actually getting ready to pull me in as a B local plumber working in supply plumbing supply houses, but I already signed the contract. So mm-hmm. that, uh, that ship flew. <laughs> got it. What's the local wage rate these days for a carpenter, just roughly journeyman? Um, I want to say it's about 44 or $45 an hour. Okay. Um, in around there. 
Then mm-hmm. the carpenter foreman are usually 15% above that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, depending on, you know, the bigger outfits, if you're running bigger work, you know, you make your deals. Oh, sure. You can make a deal. Yeah. I like the superintendents when we come in, you know, you yeah. go to these companies and, you know, there's a set number mm-hmm. that you can make. I think it's 25% above. But, uh, you know, there's so much work out there right now. And if you're a well-rounded superintendent, yeah, you know, the, the sky's the limit. It, guys it, it certainly is. And then that's a good good way to, to take this conversation. When you're a carpenter foreman or really any any lead trade foreman, if you're looking to take the next step, and that would be a project superintendent. So George is a project superintendent for a large construction manager, general contractor, and he is the lead guy on site. Tell us a little bit about what your your day is like and what you do exactly day in and day out as a project superintendent. Do you want a good day or a bad day now? <laughs> they vary. I can tell you that. Share both. I was off today, and I'm, I felt like I was in work from 6.30 when my phone started ringing until about 9.30. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just because, like you would just said, you're, you're the lead super on the job, and you know, mm-hmm. guys don't know you're off, and it's a Monday, and yeah. I have an assistant super there who's awesome. We have a great team of people that are on our project now our uh, senior project manager to our regular our PMs mm-hmm. uh, to our assistant PMs. That are- you didn't send that group text out and say, I'm off. You didn't let everybody know that you're off. Don't bug me. <laughs> you have, especially, yeah. That, like that matters, Nick. Yeah. Right. Oh, George is off today. We won't right. call him. <laughs> no. But they, you, you know. You're, it, you're never it, off. Yeah. No, you don't, you're not. And your days, mm-hmm. your, your day can go from a, a nice, easy day where everything's well-versed, the schedule is rolling, and it doesn't go perfect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I only got 40 phone calls today instead of 140 phone calls. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good day. <laughs> then you have your other days where it's uh, – <laughs> it seems like the last four weeks have been those days. Yeah. Um, and, again, you start your Monday out with, you know, you have a bunch of different subs coming on, out-of-town contractors that are coming in. And, like, Friday I had a big thing with – the Millwrights called me – the Carpenters call me. Uh, we're putting this giant interior turntable inside of this building we're doing at Penn. This is the first of its kind in Philadelphia. No other building has a turntable inside it so that the trucks can actually pull inside the loading ah, dock. And it spins the gotcha. truck, backs it into a loading dock, and then Very it can cool. pull straight out. And again, it's for the safety of the students coming in. They don't have to do you know these K-turns out in the middle of Spruce Street. Um, so it, it's a big thing. Yeah. Very cool. So the turntable guy is an out-of-town guy. Friday, I get a phone call. Iron workers are putting it in. They hire two iron workers from the hall. What's the turntable made out of? What's it made out of? So it's giant steel diamond plates that are shaped like pies. It's 30-foot radius. Um, Madison did this 30-foot radius, two-foot into the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, Structural details on it were crazy, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine. But then it sits on these rollers. There's two stages of rollers, and there's these steel pie-shaped pieces that go in that attach to the center style. And this thing literally spins. And again, there's it's almost automated like a car wash. So when they come up to a gate, the gate lift arm will read, and then these lights start blinking, and it'll tell him when to pull in. And then it'll spin him to whatever dock that he has to go to, mm-hmm. and back off and do what he has to, and then pull back out. Um, Got it. But again, two steel guys are putting this thing in on Friday. Corporate business uh, organizer. Gives me a call and says, yo, George, that turntable out there, who's putting that in? I said, there's two iron workers here. I said, they uh, they just put this thing up in New York with two iron workers. He said, Daddy, we kind of think that's Millwright's work. 
Well, millwrights are in the carpenters union. Mm-hmm. So I had the millwright business agent give me a call and go, George, listen, you know, we're dying out here. The industry just doesn't call for millwrights anymore. This stuff's getting in-house carpenters are doing it and yada, yada, yada. And, and, you know, again, me being where I'm at, I have to represent carpenters union as well. So mm-hmm. I called this out of town contractor who's on a plane to South Carolina going home for the weekend and said, listen, millwrights need you to put somebody on or, you know, I don't know what repercussions could happen Monday morning, yep. but they're willing to put an apprentice on there because it's their work. And with this being the first one in Philadelphia, I think it would be a great idea to have one of them out here to see what's going on. Sure. And they yep. did. They had no problem with mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? But and, they sh- and they shouldn't. Yeah. No. But yep. there, there's some of the, you know, trials and tribulations you go mm-hmm. through in a day. Yeah. But for the most part, I love what I do. Yeah. I, do, I love what I do. So no matter how bad the day is or how good the day is, mm-hmm. you know, every day you can stand outside the box and, you know, you're mentoring these assistant superintendents that are coming up, which I got a great assistant mm-hmm. superintendent. He was actually my apprentice at Tivoli where you and I were. Really? Got, Who? Um, kid named uh, Anthony Galati. He, uh, he worked for the interior, the guys that were doing all your structural framing outside. Okay. Remember there was another company there. They, they folded on that job. Wyatt did the framing on the, the mid-rise that I recall. Yes. Wyatt right. is there. But on, the, on this one here, I forget what the name of the company was. Okay. Um, but I wound up mm-hmm. picking him up as an apprentice. Okay. And kind of took him under my wing and he went to the art museum with me. Mm-hmm. He got out of Union, came back in. He got out of Union, went to college, went to Temple. Yeah, Temple. <laughs> <laughs> Nick went to Temple. That's why I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> but uh, went to Temple. Went to, I mm-hmm. became a kinesiology major. Yeah. Was going yeah. to go to school for his master's, ran out of money. Mm-hmm. Got back in. He called me and said, George, I'm trying to get back in the union. Do you know, do you know what I got to do? What steps? Called a business agent down at Carpenters. And they said, listen, he's got to get sponsored again. Uh, so called the Roadman to Dale, which again, mm-hmm. good guy, great guy. I've known, you know, Glenn for years. He said, yeah, we'll, we'll pull him in. I was like, Anthony was a hard worker. Pulled him back in. And for the next year and a half, Anthony called me every three to four months and asked me what he needs to do because he wanted to get the position up. Mm-hmm. So I was doing another project for Penn before that. And every three months, Nick, this guy would call me. Yeah. What, what am I doing? What do I need to do? Take some Drexel courses. You got to learn blueprint reading. You got yeah. to get in a company that's going to let you get a shot as a foreman. You got to learn to lead, run men. Yep. You know, um, yep. again, all the parts and pieces that, that we do in a day. Mm-hmm. But he wound up doing all that and, started this project, needed an assistant. I actually was supposed to have another assistant on this project and we wound up doing it together, just him and I. Pulled him in and it's, it's worked out awesome. He's definitely, definitely going to be a great superintendent. Good guy. I'm glad to hear it. What project are you working on now? What is it exactly? It's the WARB project for University of Penn down at Wharton School. It's called the what? WARB. W-A-R-B. The WARB. Okay. Yeah, right now we're up to about, uh, about 140 guys. It's okay. A, I, I, I remember reading, it was actually in the uh, Structural Magazine. Our company, the structural engineer for our project, actually called us and told us that it's in the Structural Magazine that she's in, that she does a lot of things for. Who's the structural engineer? Keith in the Hood. Okay. So actually, this is the second one we're doing back-to-back with them. So we've got, we actually have a, a really, really good relationship with the structural engineer there. So she, uh, she told us that we were in this magazine. So I went and looked and I said, I think the project's in upwards of like 80 million. That's what we're doing now. Oh, wow. So this one is, again, you know, here, a superintendent, I'm a carpenter, but 
as a superintendent, you have to learn everybody else's job. Yeah. You don't have to know it to the fullest extent, but you have mm-hmm. to be able to grab little parts and pieces of everybody's, yeah. whatever their scope of work is on that project. Mm-hmm. And every job you do is something different. Now, yeah. this one here, we actually moved an underground substation that controlled 30 buildings for Penn and moved it above ground. So the, this, the infrastructure, you can imagine, the yeah. duck bank, stuff the underground that hit. And, and then you're working right in the middle of 36 and Spruce. We're digging down and we're finding old foundations, old streets. It was unreal, the things we were finding. You know, we're, we're, we're hitting sewer <laughs> lines that were plotted somewhere else that now they're not. They're moved somewhere else. I'm in a meeting and I'm watching the rig come back up and, <laughs> and petting at the table at an owner's rep meeting. I'm like, this is, this is great. So we run out there. And again, that wasn't a good day. That was the day that, that we talk about there. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, again, no matter how good the day is or how bad the day is. So back to what you do. I mean, communication has got to be one of the most important, important things. I mean, you mentioned you got 140 calls. So it's it's answering your phone, it's getting back to guys, and it's coordination. It's coordinating and communicating with all the various foremen and or project managers for each trade discipline. Correct? Yeah. Yep. You touch base on something. Communicating is probably the biggest yeah. the biggest thing that we have on our project. Yeah. Especially, you know, your predecessors and your successors to the trades that you're that you're working with have to know where you're going to be within the next week. And we do a full week look ahead, which I know you know all about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's as a superintendent, it's your job to keep that thing up to par. Now, some things slip. Mm-hmm. Go everything. Could yep. be weather-related, could be something that was supposed to come from California. Mm-hmm. It was come this day, and it wound up a week later. You know what I mean? Could be a pipe break, right? <laughs> pipe break. Could be a guy that hit a duck bank, an electrical <laughs> duck bank, while director of pens on a little conference that was, that happened once. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's so many different, again, trials and tribulations that you face in a day. Um, yeah. I think it's that. And, and I think the, the biggest thing is, Nick, you know, as a superintendent and, and you were a senior PM, even you left your project manager or whatever it is, I, I try to promote team, not just within the, the trailer, mm-hmm. but outside the trailer. Yeah. Because Hunter Roberts doesn't succeed unless those trades out there succeed. They, and, Part of my job is to make sure they succeed. Yeah. So I, I yep. think, you know, I, I try to promote teamwork. And that's, and sometimes it's through, whether it's through the meetings or the, the different coordinating things that we do within the union, within the uh, foreman that are there, which mm-hmm. I have a bunch of great, we have a bunch of great company, great foreman on this project. But also the, to recognition, going through, you're walking through a project, recognizing that, that first year apprentice that's out there. Mm-hmm. Or recognizing my best four minutes out there on the trade. You know what I mean? It's I, yeah. I do a lot of it through recognition, letting them know, hey, asking them what they're doing, how they're doing. Um, not long, because you don't want to tie up, tie them up or mm-hmm. anything like that. But especially in today's world right now, what's going on, this whole COVID thing. Letting yeah. these guys know they're in a safe environment, creating a safe environment for them. That's all part of the process. And, yeah. and, and you do, you have to look at it from every angle, every angle. Not just get in here, get this done, and we're getting out of here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like that now. And this last, right. you know, these last couple of months, what we're going through, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little different, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, you want to say kid gloves, but it's not kid gloves, but you got to let these guys know that, listen, I don't succeed unless you succeed, but let's do it in a safe manner. 
You know what I mean? I do. You brought up COVID. What's the procedures like with COVID on a big job that you're managing right now? Just curious. How do you guys manage that? So every morning, these guys come in and they fill out an assessation form. Uh, to form to just ask, you know, it's, it's got our letterhead on the top and it's, it gives out, I think it's about nine questions. It's, have you ever had COVID? Have you been around anybody that's had COVID? Do you have any symptoms? So, uh, I mean, I just filled one out when I went to get my hair cut. You know what I mean? So everybody's mm-hmm. filling these out. Now. Mm-hmm. And then they take their, we take their temperature. Temperature. Yeah. It's yeah. worked out great. We actually, on our job, we had two guys that, that wound up coming up hot. But again, letting them know with the, you know, what direction you have to take if you do have any kind of symptoms or anything like that. These guys, they stayed home. Their temperature was high when you say hot or? What? No, no. They, they, they felt the symptoms and stayed home. Okay, gotcha. They never even came to the mm-hmm. project. Okay. And again, Good. It, it, this isn't a thing where I'm protecting myself. No, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you got to protect, protect the guy. others. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, yep. a, it's definitely a, it's a team thing. You know what I mean? And yep. I walk around a job and you got the guys that don't have a mask on and you start telling the same guy one or two times. And the third time he said, I'm about to tell you again, you're going home. Yeah. You know, and then they're going to, you hurt their pocket. They get the hint. You know yeah. what I mean? Same with safety glasses and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, it's, that's how our day works. And then you go out there and you're telling guys, and especially with these days, it's been 90, hundred degrees, 106 with, with the humidity, the feels yeah. like temperatures. And these guys are, you know, to take the mask and just drop it down. You got, yo bud, got to keep that thing on. You got to yeah. keep it on. I know yep. you're up against, but you got to keep it on. Yep. But for the most part, these, these guys all get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they they want to come to work. You know, everybody was getting that extra 600 bucks and, you know, a week and, and taking off and not coming to work. But these yep. guys all wanted to be here. They wanted to come to work. They, I, for the most part, I think they enjoy the job. You know what I mean? We try to, again, you, it's whatever environment you promote. Yep. You know, some, these guys go to your different GCs and stuff like that and, it's not the environment they want to be in. So you, you try to promote an environment that these guys want to come to work and, and be a part of and, and let them know that they're a part of. So again, you know, I walk through a project and everybody's giving me, yo, George, what's going on? Hey, good morning or whatever it might be. And you, you give them the same recognition. And there's that little bit of, yep. you know, that little talk or that just recognition from him to me and him to me. Yeah. Just, you know, yep. Yeah. I, I think it means something. It, I think it means everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, totally, totally agree. And, and your ability to communicate with guys and get the team together, it's, it's always been exceptional. And to do what you do as a superintendent, you're leading a bunch of foremen. You're coordinating a bunch of foremen. You do, you do it very well. Thank you. You do it very well. Yeah, man. So let's go outside of work here. I'm going to ask you a question here. Now, now, now think long and hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I were to take... Your Jeep or boat away, which one would get you more upset? Well, Nick, first of all, I th- I'm going to come looking for you. <laughs> Find out. I want my shit back. But <laughs> I want to know which one you're more passionate about, your Jeep or your boat. You know what? They're, they're little toys. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But uh, I could do without either of them. Oh, I know. I know. I just want you to pick one. My, uh, a fun day to me is... <laughs> The boat's nowhere. Yeah. So if you took the boat, I'd be more pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got it. All right. Now, one thing that uh, what's well, actually it's like you know if I went down and I was if I said to you if I went down and filled your pool in with dirt, you'd be pissed. That's a new toy. 
<laughs> it is a new toy. And and those storms filled it up with dirt now twice. Thirty year storms. It's been a lot of work. Now one thing about George that anyone who knows him knows he's quite the singer. So is it Frank Sinatra or is it Tony Bennett? Who do you sing? Uh, listen, I'll sing, I'll sing, which one is I'll it? Sing anybody? I don't <laughs> care. I'll sing in an empty toilet paper roll. I don't care. As long as I'm having a good time. Nick, oh, oh, I've seen it. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> Sunday mornings with Frank is going on here. Sony Sunday mornings. Yeah, it's, it's Frank. That's what I thought. Playing throughout the house. Yeah. 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 It's Frank. That's that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. We. Uh, but yeah. I. Uh, I don't like to give the microphone up once I have it. I will. Nick knows that about me. He's been on a couple of bus trips that we run. So uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think he took the mic out of my hand once. You're like, enough's enough. You know, I'm like, I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Good I think stuff. It was block party. <laughs> yeah. You remember that, huh? Vaguely, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Yes. So do you have any questions for me at all or anything else you'd like to share about your journey, your path, you know, just becoming a carpenter foreman, you know, moving up to being a superintendent, anything you'd like to share for the listeners and people that may be interested in becoming a carpenter and further in their, you know, their journey to become a superintendent. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, you know, I, as you know, I have two children, both went to college. Uh, My daughter, she was going to be a physician's assistant halfway through college, realized that that's not what she wanted to do. She actually got into a five-year program. She played soccer all through college, NCAA tournament, won the CAC championship team she was with. And again, my son went to college. He was going to be a cop. He did the three-year associates program and uh, realized that he didn't want to be a cop anymore. He actually was a laborer for me all through the two projects I did. Got out and said, I don't think I'm going to be a cop. I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, I think I want to to get into carpenters. So uh, I was doing a project up in Princeton. I was fortunate enough to know the business agent up there well. They got him down. He took the test, and he's in his fifth year of his apprenticeship. My daughter, and now fifth-year apprenticeship, when he's a journeyman, he's a Jersey carpenter, which I think they're at 53 an hour, 54 an hour, something like that. They get paid more than Philly. Uh, The benefits are different. The Philadelphia's carpenters have a better benefit package as far as your health care, stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's a 25 year old kid. You know, he's not even hitting full rate yet, and he's making 90 grand a year. Um, yeah. He's now a carpenter, 400 Roberts as well. And then I have my awesome. daughter who went to college, got out of college. You know, these kids come out of college and they're trying to find jobs and they get jobs and, you know, they're in debt. And, you know, mom and dad are paying bills and paying the college bills. And I'm sure I'm like every other parent that's out there that, um, they're fortunate enough that we can do it. So you're trying to keep them afloat and trying to find them a job. And they come out of college with, you know, $100,000, $200,000 worth of debt. And those ranges can go up yeah. and down wherever they might be. And they're out trying to find a job and they get one for $40,000. Yeah. They're living with mom and dad for the next six, seven years because they can't afford to go out on their own yet. So I, I really think that, you know, college isn't for all the kids today. It's really not. My son's one of them. He got out and now he's a carpenter and he's doing great, you know, and there's a bunch of kids that try to go that college route. And sometimes it's not always the right thing, no matter what the parents say and what they do. And yep. because they went to college, they think it's the right thing for them. And mm-hmm. it's a different generation. Um, yep. And I, I just, just putting it out there that these trades, 
No matter it's carpenters, electricians, it could be the laborers, it could be the painters. You know, these trades out here, the tradesmen, they're a dying breed. Yeah. And don't don't lose sight of it. If it's something that you want to pursue, you know, go for it. Go for it because it's a, it's a good living. Yeah. Uh, the unions, you know, they again promote strength in numbers. And not to say that you know, non-union or union or whatever that might be, you know, whatever round you go, of course, union in, in my eye is yeah. where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, you get in these jobs as a as a construction superintendent, and you're out there running jobs. And I had to run a non-union project up in Princeton. And here's the difference where they're at, Nick. And this is this is why this is why I promote the union the way I do. You know, I'm doing this project up in Princeton. And, uh, you know, the electrician's falling behind. I said to him, you need more men. You need more men. Yep. Got to get more men here. You're falling behind, and I'm going to let these carpenters bury you. He doesn't have the resources. He don't have the resources. He's yeah. like, George, I have ads in the paper right now. Yeah. I mean, and this yeah. is how crazy it is. In four different townships trying to get somebody to come mm-hmm. over, he goes, and I can't find the right quality guy to, to get in here. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't care if you have your nephews up here pulling wire in these walls. Until you find somebody that's skilled enough and you can get me through the inspections, but you need to do something or I'm going to help you. You're going to get get buried. Yeah. I'm going to call a contractor down in Philadelphia because we have the resources down there, you know, and they're going to come up here and bail you out and it's, it's it's not going to be good for you. You know, that's not a route that I'm going to go as a superintendent. Again, you're promoting teamwork and everything Mm -hmm. else, but I still have a a schedule. Yep. And if there's liquidated damages or something on there, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody's going to have to, to eat that bill. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be Hunter Roberts. It's going to be the guy that signed this contract saying yep. he's going to put it in the schedule. He has a schedule attached to that contract. Absolutely. Yep. So, and, and that's where mm-hmm. I go with, if there were union contractors down here, you know, we call, you know, if I call a contractor and tell him, listen, you know, you guys need more manpower. Uh, we're trying to get bodies out here. And, and you know, once, once we get past this, you know, another week or two, I'll be fine. And I'm like, you're not going to be fine. I look at the, I'm looking at four weeks ahead already, and I'm looking at the master schedule that says, you're not going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So then I can call a business agent and go, yo, how many guys are on the bench? And is there anybody that's worth a damn to bring out here to help this guy out? Because he's telling me he can't get anybody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have these guys, and, and granted, not all of them are going to be your A person. You're going to have the, the guys that aren't as good as your, again, alpha mm-hmm. You know, your alpha guys and they're your foreman and they're guys that are passionate about it. Yeah, sure. That are great at what they do. Yeah. Um, and then you just have the guys that, that aren't, that are the mediocre guys that, and I say mediocre just for the fact that they're, they don't want to be that, they're putting that leadership role. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Some guys are just driven to be that person, Yeah. which don't make them bad people either. No. So they come in and, and you have somebody that went through four years of apprenticeship and whether they've been in five years after their apprenticeship, 10 years after their apprenticeship, they know what they got to do. They know where they got to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas you yep. can't find that in a non-union sector, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, that's where the difference lies. I think within the two two realms of you know non-union versus union, yeah. there is a difference. And, and I think there's a difference. The difference is varying in certain trades. You know, because we, as you know, we do both as well. You know, union and non-union work. But but yes, certain trades I think are kind of similar. You know, in terms of cost and your level of professionals but yeah on, on the grand scale i totally agree with you you know union union the level of professionalism and just the way these guys you know attack and manage a job and the resources 
Yeah, the unions. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. No doubt about and it. And again, my father was a non-union plumber. He yeah, was a great plumber. Yeah, he was an he was an unbelievable plumber. But he didn't have he was never given that opportunity to go to the union side of the house. Yeah, you know what I mean. And nothing against a guy that doesn't do that's not doing the right thing or not not the right thing. I'm sorry, but the guy that's not going in there and he's not not a union tradesman. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean he's a he's a He's not doing it right, or no. he's not working. Yeah, but uh, if he gets the opportunity to jump ship and, and make that move, mm-hmm. why not? You know? Yep. The pensions there, the annuities are there. Everything's put in place for you. Yep. Um, again, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Yeah, man. Definitely. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, you know, I, I had you slotted as 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 my third one, and I wanted to make sure that that we made it happen, even though. The podcast release is going to now be delayed because of you, but you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> no fingers again. You are something else, no fact. <laughs> Man, I really appreciate I it. I hope the audio is running when I said that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to edit that piece. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Anything else you want to uh, you want to share? No. Any other questions for me or – no, nah, man, I just, I was really looking forward to this. Because you're, Let's give you a know, shout out to that Hunter Roberts team I'm on right now. A uh, bunch sh- of good guys. Shout out to HRCG. Two months, two months left on this one. It's going okay. to be, be a photo finish. Aren't they often like that, though? <laughs> they are. This one here yeah. just had tentacles. That, it was yeah. unreal. Unreal. Yeah. Again, they, uh, it was, uh, this one's definitely going to win. It's fun, though. It keeps you on your toes, doesn't it? Keep showing your toes. <laughs> and your hair's not getting gray yet there, though. You're looking pretty good. Yours is, though. Oh, oh yes, it is. <laughs> Matter of fact, you were gray when I, knew, when I met you. <laughs> you are, we're very distinguished, yes. you are. Very distinguished. Yes. It, 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 it has hit me, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, good seeing you, brother. And, uh, yeah, man, let's get back to, to the homestead. and uh, The wife's birthday, so we're headed down there. Sing happy birthday. Happy birthday again to the wife I don't know <laughs> enjoy man thanks Good thank you. you talk to you take, take care, care. see you buddy bye thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast if you enjoyed what you've heard today please share it with a friend and if you haven't already subscribe rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player if you have any questions comments or feedback you can reach me directly at nicholasofac@gmail.com. at gmail.com Thanks again for listening.